message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Good morning. I love you, too. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I smell pumpkin pie. <laughs> I smell turkey and dressing. Thanksgiving's on its way. Are you ready? Are you pumped for the day? Maybe you're one of the people here today that can correspond to this story that I heard some time ago. I just read it just a few weeks ago, a true story about a guy whose uh, parents were in an awful divorce situation. They were fighting, and there was no love in the home. He was probably 27, 28 years old. And he said, I'm not looking forward to Thanksgiving. And he said, there's, the family's all torn apart and there's nothing there. So he went to his church and asked to rent their hall. And then he put a message on social media. He said, I have room for 12 guests of anybody that doesn't have any place to go for Thanksgiving. Join me for a Thanksgiving dinner. He says one of the best things he ever did. One lady rented an ambulance and came. And she was in an elderly home and she came. And he said, there were so many great stories that came out of that. He said, I've done that ever since for the last years and decades. Uh, every Thanksgiving, I just put in social media, I got room for 12 guests, come and join me. And so it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in, let's get ready for a good Thanksgiving, okay? And uh, let's make it good. Father, God, anoint this study in Jesus' name, and anoint the words that come out of my mouth. Uh, I would like to start today with a story. Maybe you've heard this story uh, of the Christian truce before. Stanley Weintraub writes about this story in his book called Silent Night. I saw it in the History Channel some time back. On Christmas Eve in 1914, in the dank money trenches of the West, Western Front of World War I, a remarkable thing happened. Uh, British machine gunner Bruce Barron's father said, he said, we were spending our Christmas in the trenches on the front uh, line of World War uh, I, and he said, we were fighting the Germans, and he said, the trenches we were living in were about three foot wide and three foot deep. And he said that uh, we were living in fog, and it was damp, and it was cold, and we were shivering. He said we were having sleepless nights because of the conditions. He said we were eating stale biscuits and trying to smoke cigarettes that were too wet to light. And he said we're miles and miles from home. All of us were homesick. And he said there didn't seem to be a hope for us to even leave the battlefield except in an ambulance. And he said about 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve night, we, we noticed some voices coming from quite a ways away, and we knew it was coming from where the Germans were at. And we kept listening and listening, and pretty soon we thought we heard them singing Christmas carols. They were singing songs. 
And he says, then we looked further through our binoculars, and we saw a lot of them had lanterns up and had some little trees like Christmas trees. And he said it was pretty cool what we were hearing. And he said, soon we spotted through our binoculars a sign they had put out, and it said that you know fight and we know fight. And it said that a voice came from the German camp and yelled out and said, hey, come on over and join us. He said, our sergeant yelled back and said, we'll come halfway if you'll come halfway. And so what happened after that stunned the world and made history. Uh, there in the middle of no man's land, all the fighting stopped, and the German soldiers came out of their trenches. So the British soldiers, they went out and they exchanged presents. Uh, they exchanged uh, uh, postcards, uh, cognac. They, gave, they were sharing that with one another. And they began to give each other gifts and eat with one another with what little food they had and began to sing Christmas carols together. And it was like all the fighting came to a stop for those hours. And they went out and they were a family. And so I was thinking of that story and how cool that had to have been. And then I started thinking about the circumstances that we're living in today. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a real bad war in America. It's, it's bad. And if you haven't noticed, then you're hiding your head in, in a hole in the ground or something. I mean, uh, this war that we're in right now is definitely a war between light and darkness. And it's escalating major big time. The war is being fought in our schools. The war is being fought in the political arenas. Uh, it's being fought on the athletic fields of our colleges with men running as women in track meets. The war is being fought in the workplace. And as a result of it, our values are being attacked. Our, our beliefs are being challenged. Um, our, our children's minds are going to be perverted by false teachings and propaganda if we're not very careful. Uh, our rights are threatened, our freedom of speech is disappearing, and people are angry and their anger is escalating. People are mad about vaccinations. Some say we should be, some say we shouldn't be. They're mad about masks. We're mad about abortion rights. We're mad about transgender issues. Everybody's got opinion and they're getting more angry and more angry and more angry. And so this war is happening at a very uh, uh, deep level in our country right now. And so I think we have to recognize the war, and not only recognize it as your lead pastor, I really feel that come January, I'm going to start a series, I'm not sure of the title yet, but it's going to be a call to arms, a call to arms. It's time for the church to not sit on the sidelines any longer. We have to become more active. We're going to have to let our voices be heard. Now, now don't let me scare you. We're not going to become a political far-right church. I, I, I don't want that. I'm not out here to get involved in politics. But right now, values are so intermingling with politics, there's kind of a high, hard line to, to distinguish here. But we are going to stand up for values. And I've got a lot of plans. I'll talk to you later. We're going to start appointing committees to watch over our public schools. We're going to appoint committees for, for giving and who we're giving to and who we're not giving to. And again, we're going to try to do that without becoming a political church. 
That is not what I'm saying. I want to stick with the gospel. I want the gospel to be our priority. I've said it before, and, and I'll have to explain it later. But, you know, God has not put us on this earth to clean the fish bowl. He's put us here to save the fish. And so we have to keep our priorities straight. I think as your lead pastor, I think we can keep our priorities straight and still do both. But we must speak up about values. We must protect our children's tomorrow. And, and so I'll talk to you more about that. But what I, what I thought we would do is just like that story I told you, we're going to call a timeout right now. We're going to call a truce. Uh, we'll pick back up the war in January. We're going to start talking about what we're going to do. But right now is a truce time. And so to lead into that, I don't know if you've all been listening to Off the Mountain podcast. It's going really, really good. Here's an excerpt of our podcast that was released this week. You got your mama's sunshine. You got your daddy's rain. You're like a piece of heaven. In a hurricane. If I'm going to, to be at a Thanksgiving dinner with someone who's an atheist and likes to argue, as Josh said, I have to get prepared beforehand. And when some of these things come up, if they want to argue, I just say, you know, that's my opinion. But you know what? We'll probably never agree on it. But hey, how about another dose of that pumpkin pie right there? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of change it. You do it in love. Right. But the, isn't there just two different types of people there? Like if I'm at Thanksgiving with my family, I'm not bringing up topics that are going to set the whole table at war. Uh-huh. You're not, you know, but you know, other people might. No, no, might. but I know other people might, but that's what I'm saying. That's the difference of people. Like, there's people, right. I would say, that are fighters by nature, and they want to bring out the worst in people. Then there's the peacemakers. What does Matthew say, right, in 5.9? going? And that's not counter to the reverse, but it says, blessed are the peacemakers, mm-hmm. for they're going to inherit the kingdom of God. And I think there's two types of people where we live by conviction, but we do our best to keep peace, man. We're not trying to stir the pot. We're not... We got to live by our convictions, and by living by our conviction, it is going to rattle the pot, and it's yeah. going to make people upset. And I know that. So, I going along with this, my wife and I are not teaching our kids not to fight. We're not, because there is an appropriate time and place where you have to fight. And what I mean by that is, if my kid is in danger, for sure, I want her to fight for her life. Yes. There's a big difference between fighting someone because you hate them or because you've been hurt by them and fighting for your own freedom, right? I mean, the the goal of fighting should always be to free yourself from trouble, from Oppression. a bad spot. Yeah. Um, if somebody attacks my family, you know, why do we have a gun in the house? Is it because I want to kill somebody? No. Did you have a gun in your house? Yeah, of course. Of course, I have a gun in my house. Right. Have, that's a whole, to- that's a a whole controversial topic. Yeah. Right now, somebody, somebody's upset that you said, but yeah. you're right. I, I no, don't, be- yeah, I don't care. No, no, there's I know. a I reason get- I have a gun. No, no, right. Because there's going to be, there could be, I'm not saying there's going to be, that's, that's not right. There could be a moment in time where using a gun would be the proper amount of, right. of right. force that I need right. to protect my family. Right. And but, that's it. But do you want to have to use that gun ever? No. No, you I never want to yeah. ever have to use ever it. I have hope to. I never have to. I do like shooting targets and cans, you know, right, uh, right. and I like to hunt birds sometimes, another controversial well, subject. But at the end of the day, I, I know I don't want to hurt anyone. Right. But if somebody's coming to hurt my family, I'm going to stand up. You think about Jesus, right? Jesus was angry at one point. Yes. And he, what did he do? Flip the tables in, it, well, the, uh, made in front it, of the temple. He made a whip too. And yet he didn't sin. He didn't sin. Yeah, he made a weapon. He yeah. didn't, and he went and used it. He 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 stewed on this. 
anger, but it was righteous anger because what was he doing? He was protecting the people and their faith with God. He didn't want people to come to the temple and get the wrong idea of who God was. He was he was standing up for righteousness. For righteousness. And and I think there's a thing called righteous anger and then personal anger. Mm -hmm. And if I read the Bible correctly, we're not supposed to get angry over things that attack us personally. But then on the other hand, we're supposed to get angry about things that come against righteousness Mm -hmm. and, of course, things that hurt other people. Again, we're living in a world where there's going to be difference in opinions, and people are going to feel very strong about their opinions and try to sometimes push them on us. And what we need to do, and this would have been good in our episode on maturity, we have to learn how to live with this because it's part of life. And as Vince was saying earlier, uh, people can bring things up, and we have to control our emotions. But we also have to stand by our convictions. You don't want to ever change your convictions for the sake of peace. 100%. We should never change our convictions for sake of peace. But we must do it in love. Agree to disagree. This Thanksgiving, if somebody tries to argue politics with me because we've called a truce, I'm going to say, you know what? We're going to have to agree to disagree. I've told you why I disagree, but right now let's have some horseshoes after lunch right here, and let's eat some more pumpkin pie, okay? And so we're going to have to learn to do this. And in our Armor Up series that I'm going to start, I'm going to show us how to fight in love, and I'm going to show us how to fight with spiritual weapons. I'm going to show us how to do it right and not do it wrong. And so we're in a truce right now, and I want to I commend some of you and challenge some of you. Let's don't argue and debate on the holidays. Let's make it a time of love. If somebody wants to argue and debate with you, just stop and say, you know what, right now I just want to stop. How are you doing personally? Is your health okay? Uh, we're in a truce. We're in a truce, just like the story that I shared with you from the beginning. So today we want to concentrate a little bit on the day that's coming here in four days called Thanksgiving. As Christians... We're not supposed to just be thankful at Thanksgiving, but we're supposed to be thankful all year long. Uh, Holidays should just be a highlight of stuff we're doing all the time. Uh, We did some crazy things on Easter a few years, and some Christians got mad at us and said, you know what? We we don't like that. On Easter, we're celebrating the resurrection Jesus, and we don't like what you're doing. Well, I said every Sunday of the year we celebrate Jesus. That's what we do every Sunday. Easter is just a little bit on steroids, that's all it is, but it's still, it's still the same thing, all right? And sometimes we might cater a little bit of our service for non-believers, because that's the only time they'll come to church. And so, uh, Thanksgiving has to be a way of life. Look at Colossians 4 and 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with what? An attitude of what? Thanksgiving. Look at the next passage, 1 Timothy 4, 4, for everything created by God is good. Everything. And nothing is to be rejected. And if you smoke marijuana, please don't put that in here. Uh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Everything created by God is good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about that later. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. For if it's sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. I don't know why I put that in there. My mind kind of goes off. I just see somebody say, that's all I came to church for right there. Uh, uh, the next verse, uh, Psalms 106 and 1, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for He's good and His loving kindness is everlasting. First Chronicles 16 and 8, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples. 
Now, what I want you to do, and I was going to have you do it during service, but I don't want to take up time. Do me a favor, please. Before you get to your car, now think about it right now, or you can do it now. Just write a one-liner to somebody and say, I just want to thank God for you being in my life. Or you might want to write, I want to thank God right now for you. Or you might want to write, I just want to tell you what a blessing you are. Do that, please. Either you can do it now, and don't, don't just make a one-liner. Don't sit there and write a whole paragraph while we're talking today. But write a one-liner and send it to them. And do it before you get to your car today. And uh, if you do, you will really please God, and, and, uh, and you'll make us look good here at church. That's cool. Uh, right now, what I want to do is I want to quickly give you, uh, let's look at four or five benefits of being a thankful person. Uh, the first one is this. Being a thankful person keeps us aware of the fact that God is constantly moving in our lives. Now, when I stop during the week and thank God for things, it makes me cognizant that He's moving in my life. And I'm thanking Him. If you look at the Jewish people, they gave God credit for almost everything. No matter what situation they were in, they would say it's because God put us in this situation. God is allowing this. I mean, they went maybe even overboard. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, some months back, uh, probably about eight months ago, I don't know why or how, but God healed me of a hip problem I've been having. I had a hip problem, a right hip, and it had bothered me so much for three years, I didn't say a lot about it. But I tell my wife very often, and we went to Disneyland with the kids or wherever, I'll say, you would not realize how much pain I'm in with every step. I, I'm not saying a lot. I'm gritting my teeth because I don't want to miss stuff. But I am in tremendous pain. And I kept praying for a healing, and I want to encourage some of you. And I prayed for almost a year and a half or two for healing. Never happened until one day I woke up, and I was just healed. Just healed. And I recognize that as God. Can I say something to some of you? Don't ever take your health for granted. Every time I go walking now, I'll tell my wife over and over again, I'll say, you don't know what it, it's like to walk with no pain. You just don't even know what it's like, Debbie. You don't realize how, how blessed, blessed you are to have good health till you lose it, right? And, uh, and so I thank God. And so when I thank God, I, I, what I was saying was, God, you're instrumental in this some way. You've done this. Uh, and I want to give you praise and thanks for it. I buried one of my very good friends two months ago. And... Uh, at Thanksgiving time, I started thanking God for the man, although I, I buried him the other day, he's still alive in heaven. I want to thank God for the man who led me to Christ. Uh, where would my son be and my daughter and my grandkids if that man hadn't taken time out to come to my house and read the Bible to me and pray for me every day? Uh, it was kind of an emotional funeral when I laid him to rest. He brought me to Christ. And as a result of that, you see all of this and everything else that God has done graciously through us. And so, we need to thank God for those who have brought us to Christ. And when I thank God for Him, I recognize that it was God who was moved through His life. God was moving through His life. God did that. That was God's way of reaching me. Um, I give you example after example. Uh, every time I feel God was involved in something, I give Him thanks right there, and it reminds me that He's moving in my life. We were coming back from Las Vegas uh, three weeks ago. And my wife said, Ron, please pull over. It'll just take uh, one minute, and let's switch drivers. You look like you're tired. You've worked hard today. I want to drive. I said, no, I want to keep driving. Please just pull over. It'll take one minute. I said, no, I'm going to keep driving. As we were driving down the freeway, I was looking in the rearview mirror, and I go, no, 
no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no, oh, no. And she's, what are you doing? I said, cars are bouncing all over behind me, man. They're rolling. They're hitting diesel trucks. We would have been in that. 30 seconds, we would have been in that. That's all it would have taken. And she doesn't have as fast, you know, responses as I do. And we would have been in a mess. And so right away, we started praying for those people first. And I was too far ahead to stop. People were all stopping behind me. And, uh, but then right away also, we said, thank you, God, for looking out for us. Thank you. I mean, you know, I've got, I got to preach this week, and I'm not, I don't want to be in the hospital. And so I'm constantly thanking God because God, God is constantly moving in our lives. I, I, one of my favorite passages is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean into your own understanding. And it says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and then your paths will be straight. I see a lot of Christians and their paths are so messed up. Their lives are so messed up. And I thought, you know what? They're not acknowledging God when he shows up. They're not acknowledging. He's showing up all around them and they're not acknowledging it as God. If they acknowledge it as God, they would make a change. And so we've got to learn to start looking for God and then seeing Him when He shows up. It's very, very important. Uh, the second thing, it, encourage other, it encourages us to be more excited about being used by God. Some time ago, a guy came up to me and said, I want to thank you. I said, what? Thank you for my salvation. I said, well, I don't really know you. Can you tell the story? He said, you went to the hospital. And you were, were telling somebody, you were giving them the gospel message and praying for them. You didn't know that I was in the bed with a curtain pulled. I heard every word you said. And I came to God through that. And I didn't know, but by him thanking me, now what does it do? It makes me want to do it all the time. Now it just really fires me up to be used by God uh, more than ever. I told you, and this is an old story, but uh, somebody was talking to me the other day about it and reminded me of it. I was up at Old Oak Ranch, and I was doing a, a pastor's conference, and some guy's holding a baby, and he looks over at me, winks, and smiles, and I go, hey, how you doing? And so he sits there a little while, we sing another song, he looks over, and he winks at me again, and I go, is this dude turned gay or something? What's the deal here, you know? Why does he keep winking at me? And he kept smiling, smiling. Finally, after the service, he said, see this baby? She would not have been born if it wasn't for you. He said, you got up and told a testimony. And you said how you wish you would have had another child, and, and, and it's one of the biggest disappointments in your life. And because of that, we had this baby. And he said, I want to thank you. So what does that do? Oh, uh, the other day, just last week, someone was telling me, you stopped a service one day, and you looked right over at us, and you said something that changed our family's life. What does that do? Prompts me to keep doing it. It really encourages me going, hey, man, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Uh, uh, Jenna, I don't know if you're here from the vet, but she paid our vet bill the other day, and that, that made my whole day, man. Made my whole day. Not that I couldn't afford it, but it was just nice. Uh, and I listed five, six people that have done things for me lately and just made my whole day. Uh, so number three, moving right on, because I have a lot to do here, and I wanted to get you out in time. Uh, thanking God and giving thanks to Him and thanks to other people both, it pleases God. Uh, it pleases God. Uh, so, if you want to please God, uh, then that's what you do. It says that when we're a Thanksgiving person, and we're an optimistic, faith-filled person, it's like a fragrant aroma that goes up to God. And God smells it goes, I like that, I like that. Uh, God likes it when we're thankful to other people and thankful to Him. And it's obedience to the Word of God. You want to obey the Word of God? So you've already obeyed the Word of God one time today. I've told you it's easy to serve God. God's giving you high fives. Right now, because you got up, you, you took a shower, hopefully, 
and, and you got dressed, and you got in your car and used that expensive gas to get here, you already served God one time, and God's given you a high five saying, I'm proud of you. You, you came to give me honor today. Uh, but look at the verses in Thessalonians right here. It says, rejoice when? Now, now, now listen to that. that, that you, you can obey that. That means if you go to the store on, on, on tomorrow and they're all out of pumpkin pies, you're going to rejoice, right? And get a pecan pie. That's what you're going to do. You're going to rejoice. Rejoice always. See, Bible's against griping. It's an anti-griping book. In everything give thanks, for this, God, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many things would you give thanks in? Everything. Number four, giving thanks. It makes people want to be around you more. Simple question. Would you rather spend a day with a grouchy person or a thankful person? Come on, which one? Thankful person. The grouchy person, man, will just get you down, man, weigh you down. Uh, I'm going to give you a word. I don't know who it's for, but don't become a Debbie Downer. Don't become a Debbie Downer. I mean, some people, it gets to be a habit. You sit down and they go, hey, did you hear that cancer's really on the rise? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hear about the lady that got ran over by the road grader yesterday in Dallas, Texas? No, I didn't. Did you hear the killer bees are coming to California? Knock it off, please. <laughs> Let's get together and talk about some good things. But you could become a Debbie Downer if you're not careful. Uh, don't become one of those people. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul, abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to everyone who hears them. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn a corner, I'm going to leave you with four things that's on my heart to be thankful for. There's probably 40 things, but I'm just going to be four that's on my heart right now. And the first one is, I want to be thankful for the grace of God. God the Father did not have to send Jesus to this earth to die for us. Nobody made him do it. He did it because he loves us. And grace is called, it's got many definitions, but it's undeserved favor. We don't deserve it, but God did it anyway. Look at this passage in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, did I give you 1 John 3, 1, the Message Bible? What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called the children of God. And that's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. Let me read a story for you, and I want to make a point that maybe some of you have never seen. Luke 17, 11 through 19. While Jesus was passing on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices. They raised their voices. Let me say something right here. Hold this for a second, Sandy. I don't know why, but very often your little fickle, mimble, mimble, timble, rimble, kimble, I don't know what word I'm trying to use here. But your little, little weak prayers aren't going to get the job done. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you today. And Lord, I, I, I'm in a real trial and I need help. No, Father God, I come to you today. The enemy has no right to this life. And in Jesus' name, I command him to get his hands off me today. I'm a child of God. And Lord, I got work to do today. I need your healing touch. That's the way you pray. I would scare some of you when I pray. When I get down to pray, we get down to pray, man. We're going to send the devil fleeing. The devil's going to be in the phone booth dialing 911. 
That was an old Pentecostal song. I used to love it. The devil's in the phone booth dialing 911. <laughs> oh, I make myself laugh. Uh, <laughs> now I lost my place. I don't even know where I'm at. Now I get all excited. Oh, I had a story here, yeah. And they called him master. That's master owner. They got this right. Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, now let's leave us here, Sandy. As they were going, say it with me. As they were going, they were healed. God's been showing me, showing me very often, I will never see a miracle unless I put some feet on my prayers. It's when I move out. I could give you story after story after story. Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. And 10 years later, it's Jesus, help me, help me, help me. You got to put some feet on your prayers, my friend. You got to start acting like when you say amen, you believed amen. And you're getting the job done. Now, now listen to me. Leave us here for a second. I played with this idea before. I mean, this was a horrible plight these people were in. In those days, leprosy was... It was incurable. Can you imagine coming home from work one day and your wife goes, hey, babe, what's that on your hand? I know it looks kind of bad. You know, I got another spot here. Yeah. Wait a minute. Have I got, oh, no. I think you have leprosy. No. My heart starts going, no. I get the priest over here and let him look. The priest looks, says, yeah, get your stuff. You got five minutes. Get your stuff. Get out of here. Get out of here. And they put you in a camp outside. That's where you're going to live for the rest of your life. Can you imagine being a dad and a father? You go out in the morning and look down there and go, I miss my family. Who's going to take care of my kids? And then every night they sneak up and they have a little rock where they put you a little lunch. And, and they say, Dad, you forgot your coat. We love you, Dad. You're never going to see your family again. You're going to die. Your skin's going to rot off. Your arms are going to rot off. Your legs are going to start rotting off. Your nose is going to fall off your face. I heard a lady speaker the other day say she went to another country and was preaching, and she went into a leper colony, and she said the odor was so bad she had to walk out. She was gagging, rotting flesh. And to be, to be up there and going, I will never see anybody again. And your family, week after week, they send some stuff up. Dad, we love you. We love you. I mean, can you imagine the plight these guys were in? And yet he said, go show yourselves to the priest. I'm going to say something to you right now. Walk by faith. Sometimes you have to step out on stuff that doesn't make any sense, but in your heart you know God's telling you to step out. Walk in faith. And as they were going, had they never went, they never would have got cleansed. When Jesus speaks, faith comes. I think that faith that came from him speaking was so powerful that it caused them to walk. Now go on. Not, well, one of them, one of them, when he saw he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And by the way, this is important. That's why it's in here. By the way, he was a half-breed. He was a Samaritan, someone the Jews looked down on. And Jesus answered and said to him, where are the, the other ten? Where are they at? Or the other nine? Where are the other nine at? Didn't, didn't ten get cleansed? No one was found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. He said to him, stand up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, let me tell you something this man was saying. I never saw this. Daryl, Daryl and Gina are here, Farley. We love you guys from Reading. Pastor Daryl and Gina, 
I never really saw this before. And I was reading the other day, and I was praying over this in the Holy Spirit. And I said, I, I see some of the story, but not all of it. And I felt, here's what God showed me. He said, this man knew he was a half-breed. He knew that Jews should have nothing to do with him. And he came back because he was acknowledging grace. He said, I realize that I do not, of all people, I don't deserve what I'm getting. And so I'm coming back to tell you that I know I don't deserve this. First of all, I didn't deserve it even if I was a Jew, but I'm a half-breed. I'm looked down upon. I'm despised. I did not deserve this kindness that you did for me, Master. And I wanted to come back and tell you that I'm fully appreciative. And the Lord said, because you understand grace, because you understand this, this, this subject of grace, and because you have your priorities right, that even though you want to get home and show your family and friends like everybody else, but you have your priorities right, and you're going to come back and give praise and worship to God first. Because you've got this right, not only are you going to be healed of leprosy, but you're going to be made thoroughly well for the rest of your life, spiritually and physical. The rest of them will die again. But you're going to be different. See, Jesus understood that if you don't understand grace fully, you won't have the full blessings of the kingdom. You have to understand grace correctly. Example, if I don't believe in undeserved favor, I will have a very hard time regularly going to the throne room of grace and asking my heavenly Father for gifts and needs boldly, saying, I need this, Father. I need this today. Because if I don't understand unmerited favor, I will always think I'm too unholy to ask. And I'll never ask, and when I never ask, I'll never get. But when I understand grace, that I'm not coming to my own merit. I'm coming in the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve what I'm asking for. I don't deserve what I need. But I'm still going to ask you boldly because you're my gracious Heavenly Father. That will make a difference. Also, He knew that you won't die with peace. You won't live with peace. You'll expect things out of others that, that, that's not in grace when you don't understand grace. And he said, you will never come into wellness without understanding grace and making it a priority in your life. And that's just exactly what this man did. So let's thank God for his undeserved favor. Secondly, let's just thank God for our spouses. Oh, I'll tell you, I don't know why my wife married me. I married over my head. And I'll tell you, three weeks ago I preached here and I told you when God put us on earth, He told us, guys, I'm giving you a job in the kingdom of God. If you haven't found it yet, He has a job for you. And He said, the job I'm going to give you is so big that you can't do it by yourself. You got to have a spouse doing it with you. And He says, you got to understand that. And I will tell you now, if you understand that God, guys, has put you on the earth to do a job, and your wife's your helpmate, equal helpmate, she's equal to you, and you're going to do it together. If you do kingdom work together, it will keep you from ever having to go to a marriage counselor. I don't think you'll have to go. If you're in there working together in the kingdom together, her and you sharing, you're listening to her, you're submitting to her half the time, she's submitting to you, whoever's right in God, and you're, you got this thing going as a team effort. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Number three. Thank God for your kids and grandkids. You say, why? They're a gift. 
If you don't see your kids and grandkids as a gift, then something wrong with you. You know what they are? They're little stress busters. That's what they are. I, my wife, the day I heard her tell my granddaughter, she says, you know what? She says, I just thank God every day for you being born. I thank God. And she said to her, thank you for being born. And my little one goes, what? Thank you for being born. My kids and grandkids are a blessing. I mean, I want to tell you something. I was talking to Josh today about Christmas. Josh, what was the best Christmas present you ever got? He said, my best Christmas present, Dad, was an Atari that I got for Christmas. And you know what made it special, Dad? I said, what's that? He's you and I stayed up all night long playing video games. He said, you haven't played a video game since, have you? I said, I haven't. Can I tell you, parents, sometimes little things are big things. My son, now 40 years old, says, I still remember that. Don't miss those defining moments. And these grandkids, what a blessing. Uh, you know, the other day, my little one, the littlest one, oh, by the way, my oldest one's getting married. She just got her wedding dress. Ta-da! My oldest granddaughter's getting married. And I want every young Christian man that loves God to know I've got one more left. She's 23, 24 years old, and she is gorgeous outside and in, and she's unhooked up. So, guys, there you go. Uh, and my little granddaughter, my little one, she was there at the house. Debbie was babysitting her, and uh, she looked at her nana and says, Nana, I got to go home. I said, why? This is Romy River. And she says, because uh, my parents are really missing me, and I got to go home and be with them. And Debbie says, but... Romy, what am I going to do? I'm going to be so lonely when you leave. She says, no, you're not. You got him. <laughs> you got him. <laughs> and then the other day, Debbie said, you won't believe what happened today. She got her butt stuck in a chair. We have these chairs, and she got her butt stuck, and Debbie said it was so bad, Ron, I thought I was going to have to call the fire department. <laughs> she was stuck. Her butt was stuck, and I couldn't get it out. And she said, then I knew I had to get it out because little Romy goes, Jesus, come and help me. She said, now I got to get her out. So Debbie said, I had a thought. Take all her clothes off the best I can and anoint her with olive oil. And she poured olive oil all over and she just slipped right out. And the little kid says, thank you, Jesus. But I, I can't stay stressful with these little ones around. They're a gift to me. I went in, uh, what was it, day four yesterday, and the little one walks me over and says, Papa, sit down right here. She's playing with, with silly putty or, or clay, and she says, sit down right here. And then my other one had an uh, open house, and we went, and man, she was so excited to show Papa all around. She said, Papa, Papa, those people over there know you. They know you, Papa, those people over there. Go say hi to them. And so there's such gifts from God. And so let's thank God for our spouse, for our kids, for our grandkids. And last, and I want to end, thank God for our church, for our church. Do you understand that God made this church for you? God looked down and saw you, and He said, I need a church in Bakersfield where they dress kind of funky. I need a church where the pastor's a little bit crazy for the crazy people I'm going to bring there. And God did. He gave this church as a gift. He said, I'm going to give this gift to you called Valley Bible Fellowship. I don't know about other churches in town, but when you've heard our history, God commanded us to start this church. We didn't go to seminary and say, hey, you know, I want to go pastor. God said, you will start a church for me, Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romani, Ovietti. You will start a church for me. And that's what we did. 
So God did this for you. He sent me to Las Vegas to, to start a church for them. And so what I'm going to do in Indian here, I got two things to do real quickly. And number one is we celebrated our 20-year anniversary in Vegas last week. Now, before we show this video clip of it, because a lot of you said we wanted to go, we wanted you to pipe it, stream it in, but we did, wasn't able to on a quick notice. But I want you, as you watch this, I want you to keep this in mind. God said, go to Vegas 20 years ago and start a church. We didn't know a single person there. I just told my wife, we've got to obey God. We went not knowing a single soul, didn't have a building, nothing. Today we've got a huge, beautiful sanctuary, cafeteria, over a thousand people. I want you to see that vision. This all came from a seed of faith. Take a look at this, and then we'll tie it up and go home. Good morning, Valley Vegas. Welcome today. We are celebrating 20 years as a church. God's done so much. We're so thankful. Yeah, come on and stand. Let's give God some praise. We're going to go out down memory lane and sing some old worship songs we used to sing today. So join in with us.
Well, happy 20th anniversary, Valley Vegas Church. Do you feel 20? I wish I felt 20. Good to see you. So glad that you made it. Welcome anybody that's here for the first time. Uh, we're celebrating, as you can tell. I requested, and, and these two guys were uh, gracious enough to come and be a part. I said, it won't be a celebration unless you are a part of it because they played such key roles uh, as leading this church at various times over the last 20 years. Uh, Pastor Ron Vietti and Pastor Jim Cruz. Would you welcome Pastor Ron and Pastor Jim? something. <laughs> Whatever you said, I like it. <laughs> I love that. Well, when I, when I think of you two guys concerning the Vegas church, uh, Ron, I think of you, you built this church. Uh, you're you're going to share how that took place, but you built it. Uh, you were, you were the builder, Bob, the builder, Ron, the builder of this church. And Jim, when I think of you, you established this church. You took it to the next level. You were part of this build out. And uh, you, you set a foundation that we've been building upon uh, ever since. And so, uh, builder, establisher. Church, but we're going to sing one more song together. Take one more stroll down memory lane and sing this old song together. So, let's tear the roof off this place and sing together. to go out with a bang. Yeah, just a reminder, please join us in the back there uh, for our Sunday fun day. On three, let's wish Valley Vegas happy anniversary, okay? One, two, three. Happy anniversary, Valley Vegas! You're dismissed. That all happened from a seat of faith. When it was acted upon, it produced that. I got pregnant 20 years ago and had a baby. Can I tell you something as my family? I'm pregnant again. I'm going to have another baby somewhere soon. You guys were in that. You know why? You allowed me to be gone once or twice a month. We had good speakers. You allowed me to do that. You gave financially so we were able to do that. And now look at the product. And so, I wanted you to share because that is part of you. That's part of your DNA. You guys allowed that. And pray for me because I do want to, the rest of my life, plant three or four more churches like that. And I think God's given me the gift of apostleship, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And so, anyway, neither here nor there, I had to repent as I walked across campus a while ago because I forgot to give an altar call in the first service.
And God had talked to me about it. So let's bow our heads right now, and I want to pray. Father God, there might be people in here today that don't know you as their personal Savior. They've never had a time when they were born again. They never got their assignment from God. We've all been put on this earth with a purpose. And so right now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Ron, I've never been born again. A lot of you like my Italiano family, my Italian family. So we're Catholics. Well, that isn't it. You've got to be born again regardless of what you are. So do you remember a point in time where you asked the Lord to come into your heart and save you and take up residence and make you born again? If you haven't, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Raise your hand up very boldly. God bless you. I see the hands lifting up high. Don't be ashamed. So I want to be born again today. If you want to be born again, raise your hand up. Raise your hand up high. And then I'm going to pray for you right now. Everybody in the house, pray with these who've raised their hands and say, Lord God, today I give my life to you. I want to be born all over again. So right now, send the Holy Spirit and come into my body. Live inside of me. Start making life in me. Start living in me every day and change me into what you want me to be. I receive the Holy Spirit indwelling today. And when I know when I leave here, I'm a different person that came in. Thank you for saving me. Let the journey begin. In Jesus' name, amen. Watch one last 30-second video, and then you're dismissed afterwards. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our